fantasy readers, this is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, you'll want to go back and do that, because this is part two of five episodes sharing Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody. Last week, I explained why I'm changing up my format to share this story over the course of five episodes, which didn't leave me a lot of time to tell you about the author. Kay is the YA fantasy author of Court of Bitter Thorn and the Elements of the Crown. Her books feature rich world-building, slow-burn romance, mythical creatures, and twisty plots. As a lover of strong female characters, books, and the color pink, she enjoys diving into magical worlds where characters can overcome even their darkest struggles. Last week, we left off with Clara running outside to save Revan, so I'm sure you're all eager to hear what's next. Without further ado, please enjoy part two of Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody. Chapter five. Freezing wind wrapped around Clara tighter than a blanket. The fluffy snowflakes that had looked so beautiful while inside now landed on her arms like icy needles. Her heavy boots crunched over the landscape. Snow managed to creep above the sturdy boots and onto her stockings, which chilled her legs even more. Her shoulders were only barely covered by her silk dress, and with her dark brown hair up in a twist, her arms, neck, and upper chest were almost entirely exposed. If she had any doubt before, it left her now. This wasn't a dream at all. Her teeth wouldn't have been chattering if it were. Before she could even think of turning back, she reached the yard where Revan and the trolls still fought against each other. Somehow, Revan had escaped the trolls' grasps, but they must have destroyed his axe in the process. It now lay with a splintered wooden handle in two different pieces on the ground. Staying close to the house and hidden in its shadows, Clara crept closer to the fight. Her skirts gathered even more snow than her stockings did. They were soaking wet in only a few minutes. Her mother would have died on the spot if she saw how much mud already coated the hem of Clara's dress. Now that Clara had reached the back of the house, she stood only a dozen feet away from the fight. Even though she had already seen their height from the window, she still gasped at the sight of the trolls. They towered over everything except the very tallest trees. Revan looked much taller than he had while inside her home, probably six and a half feet. But at nine feet, the troll's wide bodies looked capable of crushing him without much effort. Her fingers twitched at her sides as her heart beat wildly. What was she thinking? These trolls were enormous. Maybe she had found some sort of bravery coming out to the yard, but it was useless now. What was she supposed to do against such terrifying creatures? Biting her bottom lip, she thought about backing away, but then she counted the trolls ahead of her. Four. If it weren't for the ice in her bones, she would have poked her tongue into her cheek. Hadn't there been five trolls earlier? The exact moment that thought snuck into her mind, a grip strong enough to crack a thousand hazelnuts clamped around her waist. Soon, she was swept off her feet and high into the air where she came face to face with a troll. It breathed heavily through its squashed nose, 
green, rock-like skin stood out against the mop of moss and vines atop its head. Gray eyes blinked back at her as it examined her body. With a grunt, the creature gestured at her and then back at Revan. This tastes better than that. Its voice. Her insides squirmed as if worms had taken over all her muscles. That was its voice. She could hear the words and understand the creature, but it didn't sound like a voice. It sounded more like gurgles and coughs and oozing puddles of mud. Across the yard, the tallest troll let out a heavy grunt. Drop. Clara cringed again. The second troll's voice sounded like spits and rocks scraping over a chalkboard. Then the tallest troll jabbed a finger as thick as a scroll toward Revan. Kill deserter first. Revan had been narrowly avoiding every swing of the troll's axes. At the sound of the spitting, rocky words of the tallest troll, Revan scoffed. I only deserted because my court is being held hostage by a troll. His entire face twisted over the last word, as if it were the vilest curse known to man. A screeching laugh that somehow sounded worse than rocks scraping over a chalkboard erupted from the tallest troll's mouth. No, stupid fae. He touched a hand to a metal circlet balancing on his hair of seaweed and coontail. I, king now. After he pointed it out, Clara took a better look at the metal circlet, which was in fact a magnificent crown. The tines looked like icicles, but they caught the light like prisms. Silver formed the metal circlet shape. Soft blue fur decorated the bottom, which would have made it comfortable to wear, except the troll's head was three times too big for it. The dazzling headpiece had clearly been made for a man closer to Revan's size. If the size hadn't been enough to prove this troll only pretended at being king, the snickering from the other trolls confirmed it. Before they finished laughing, one of the trolls grabbed Revan by the forearms. As it lifted him into the air, another troll grabbed Revan's legs. A third troll swirled its axe in a circle and then prepared to take aim. The Nutcracker Man didn't seem to have any chance of escape. Even worse, the troll who had grabbed Clara still hadn't let her go, even though the Troll King had said to drop her. Revan struggled against the grips holding him. His body writhed as he glared at the Troll King standing before him. That crown still belongs to King Pavel. Just because you stole it doesn't mean you can claim its magic. The king has to die before anyone else can take the crown. His eyes narrowed as he bared his teeth. And we both know you aren't powerful enough to defeat the Fair Frost King. All five of the trolls growled at those words, which sounded even worse with the added gurgles. The troll aiming its axe at Revan pulled it back. But before he could change its direction and swing the axe toward Revan, something happened that Clara only barely had the words to explain. Something erupted from Revan's fingertips. Something iridescent and light blue. It looked like light blue smoke filled with stars, except the stars twinkled and sparkled with some sort of energy she couldn't explain. Was it magic? She'd already accepted the trolls existed, but this was something else entirely. Could it actually be that magic existed too? And that Revan was not just a strange and mysterious young man, but that perhaps he was something more? The sparkling smoke shot from his fingertips and blasted into the troll attempting to kill him. 
A grunt left its mouth as the towering creature immediately fell backward to the ground with a thud. More magic shot from Revan's fingertips, dropping another troll to unconsciousness in a matter of seconds. The troll holding Clara dropped her unceremoniously as it rushed forward to help its fellow trolls. She had to curl her knees up to her chest to keep from hurting her ankles from the fall. Crusty snow dug into her skin and soaked her silk gown. By the time she got to her feet, the Troll King was limping and another of the trolls had been knocked unconscious. Only the Troll King and the troll that had grabbed her were left. They kept swinging their axes toward Revan with ferocity she had never seen before. But Revan just ducked and jumped and narrowly avoided every swing while also throwing his magic at every opportunity. She ran closer to them, still anxious to help in some way. When a troll tried to grab her again, a blast of Revan's magic came so close it nearly touched her nose. With a gasp, she froze on the spot. You all right? Revan said while ducking to avoid an axe swing. All right? She scoffed. Of course, she was not all right. She was trying to reconcile the fact that both trolls and magic apparently existed. And now that she was closer to him, she realized Revan had pointed ears and even more stunningly handsome features than she had noticed earlier. Are you? He asked again more pointedly. Snow completely soaked her dress, and more than a little mud covered it too. Her once perfectly coiffed hair now had several strands loose that brushed her shoulders and neck. Still, she'd rather fight trolls than marry Fritz. With a shrug, she nodded. I suppose I am all right. Good. Holding her gaze, Revan threw her a sly wink. Then, he jumped with both feet against a tree trunk and rolled into a flip. If he meant to impress her, he did an excellent job of it. Her eyes opened wide and her hand touched her collarbone. Even with snow falling, a tingle of heat filled her cheeks. He sent a blast of magic at the troll who had captured Clara earlier, knocking the creature down instantly. His gaze focused as he turned his full attention on the Troll King. Both of his hands lifted while sparks seemed to ignite in the very air around them. Energy crackled at his fingertips, promising the blast about to erupt from them would be even bigger, even more powerful, than any of the previous blasts. Just as Revan's lips started turning upward, the sound of a snapping twig came from behind him. Before Clara could even gasp, the troll that Revan had just knocked to the ground quickly sat up and grabbed him. It had been a ruse. The troll hadn't been knocked unconscious like the others. It had only been pretending. Now it yanked Revan back, and even worse, it pinned Revan's arms against its body. The troll then clamped its rock-like fingers over Revan's hands. Terror etched across Revan's face. Clara hoped he could still shoot magic from his fingertips while they were covered by the troll's fists, but judging by the horror in his eyes, he probably couldn't. For the first time since the fight began, Revan looked afraid. The troll king lumbered forward with its axe raised high. The crown on its head bounced as the creature limped. Even injured, it wouldn't take the troll long to reach Revan. Clara's jaw clenched tight. She had to do something. This was the whole reason she had come outside in the first place. She had to help. But how? Her eyes scanned the area around them. Snow and ice, broken tree branches, and useless rose bushes surrounded them, but nothing stood out as helpful. The fallen trolls still gripped their axes tightly, 
But even if the axes had been available, they wouldn't be much help to Clara. She couldn't possibly swing any weapon with enough force to damage the troll's stone-like skin. And then she saw it. The troll king teetered each time he stepped on his injured leg. The limp provided everything she needed. Holding a breath in her mouth, she quietly ducked and ripped off her boot. She had always been good at judging distances, at knowing exact lengths and angles, at seeing all sorts of things others couldn't see without measuring. Unlike most people, she could measure those things in her mind, which allowed her to see the one chance she had as clear as day. If she could just tip the troll to the side ever so slightly while it teetered on its injured leg, the creature would lose its balance and fall to the ground. But it wouldn't just hit the snow. She eyed the creature and its weapon again, double-checking the measurements in her mind. The troll king took a breath, ready to aim its axe. Clara had no time to think, no more time to measure. With all the strength she had, she threw her shoe as hard as she could straight at the troll king's head. Her breath froze as she watched her brown boot arch through the air. The troll holding Revan noticed the boot almost as soon as it left her grip. It scratched its head in confusion. Even Revan raised an eyebrow, though not in wonder. He looked more bewildered than anything. A part of her wondered if he thought her a silly, ignorant child to think something so small could stop a nine-foot troll. A weakness in her knees made her wonder the same thing. But then, the troll king stepped onto its bad leg, and it started to teeter. At the perfect moment, her boot slammed into the side of its head. It let out a grunt that had a fair amount of spit in it, too. But then, the entire world moved in slow motion as she watched. Her fingers curled into fists, waiting, hoping. At an achingly slow pace, the troll king leaned to the side. But it leaned too far, too fast. Its arms swung to catch its balance, but it was too late. Just as she predicted, the creature's axe hit the ground first. But since the troll still held the axe, the curved blade pointed up. The troll king tried to catch itself from landing on the weapon, but soon the weight of its entire body forced it down, right onto the axe. The blade sliced into the troll, directly under its armpit. The creature let out a howl that shook the trees around them, but then the cry cut off short as dark blood spilled from the wound. Growling, the last troll tried to throw Revan to the ground. The distraction must have loosened the troll's grip, though, because Revan had already wriggled free of the creature's grasp. He sent a powerful wave of magic at the troll, slamming it into the ground. This time, the troll didn't get back up again. Somehow, miraculously, the two of them had done it. Granted, Revan had done nearly all the work, but Clara had defeated the troll king mostly by herself. She'd take that victory and hold it tight in her heart forever, even though her life was about to end tomorrow. Once they both had a chance to take a real breath and appreciate that they actually had defeated the trolls, Clara and Revan looked at each other. He wore an expression that said exactly what she felt, which was that she had no idea what to say or even think about what had just happened. Since thoughts had left her mind completely, the words in her mouth came out before she could consider how they would sound. What are you? That made Revan chuckle. He glanced down at himself. I must have lost control of my glamour during the fight. Shrugging, he continued. 
I am a high fay from the court of Fairfrost. I thought I could hide from the trolls here in the mortal realm, but I guess the magic that ties soldiers to my court is stronger than I thought. None of that made any sense at all, so Clara decided to nod thoughtfully in response. Anything she said at this point would only make her look ignorant. Revan stepped across the snowy ground until he found his axe. Its wooden handle had been split in two. With a few waves of his hand and more blue magic, his axe was suddenly repaired. He then dropped it into his pocket like it was nothing more than a coin. Perhaps that took more magic. I must get to the Court of Crystal Fall. More trolls, or even King Pavel himself, will be after me eventually. Now that I can open a door outside of Fairfrost, though, I should be able to get to Crystal Fall. His hand waved in a circle, and a swirling tunnel appeared before him. The walls of the tunnel appeared to be made of the same sparkly blue smoke as his magic. Scents of peppermint and pomegranate wafted through the tunnel toward them. Energy coursed through the door, as he called it, filling the air with crackles. Clara might have gasped at the sight alone, but the sight combined with the scents and other sensations caused her to freeze in place instead. All she could do was stare in awe. But then Revan took a step toward the door, and her senses snapped back in a flash. Wait, she called out a little breathlessly. When he turned to glance at her, she stood taller. It took a hard swallow before she could speak again, but when she did, she filled her words with as much feeling as possible. Take me with you. He raised an eyebrow at her and then glanced pointedly at her house, which stood nearby. What about your life here? If you come to fairy, I may never be able to bring you back. Her conviction grew as she took a step toward him. I have no life here. Now his head cocked to the side with a patronizing tilt. The land I come from is dangerous. She shook her head, rolling her shoulders back and standing as tall as possible. You don't understand. If I stay here, my life will end tomorrow. I'll be alive, but I'll never know happiness again. All I've ever wanted was to escape. I just never thought it might be possible. His arms stiffened as he landed his hands on his hips. You might die in fairy. I don't care. She turned her gaze toward her house and immediately flinched at the sight of it. I'd rather die there than live here. I beg of you. Take me with you. Lowering his arms to his sides, he took a step toward her. His gaze slid over her, examining every part of her body. Other men had examined and enjoyed her figure before, but Revan didn't stare in that way at all. He seemed to be taking stock in her abilities more than anything. After staring for a particularly long moment at the arm she had used to throw her boot, he lifted his gaze to hers. You can tell how tall things are, even without touching or measuring them? Yes. Her nod was probably a little too eager, but at this point, she didn't care. He touched a finger to his chin as he stared into the nearby trees. Perhaps you can be of use to me. After another moment of silence, he nodded once. I propose a bargain. I will take you to Fairy, and you can stay there as long as you like. In exchange, you will help to save a tree for some crystal fall pixies. Her mind immediately turned to the worst-case scenario. What if she agreed to help but ultimately failed? All she'd ever succeeded at in life was disappointing people. Everyone else her age had learned to read and write, 
but she still struggled with it, even the day before her wedding. Her head dropped as she examined her stocking foot that no longer had a boot. I'll try my best. Taking a step forward, Revan tilted his head until he caught her gaze. You accept? His stormy gray eyes stared intently, sending a whirl through her stomach that flopped it in on itself. Could he tell how desperate she was? Maybe she couldn't hide how much she doubted herself, but she'd do her best to attempt it. Donning a light smile, she nodded. Yes. He responded with a grin that flipped her stomach yet again. Well then, mortal. He held one hand out to her. Come with me to fairy. Chapter 6 In Clara's wildest, most fanciful dreams, she sometimes saw a forest with pink flowers in every tree. It only took one step into fairy to realize she hadn't been dreaming nearly big enough. Her jaw would probably stay dropped for a week straight as she tried to take in the sights. The trees before her were indeed filled with flowers. Pink flowers, purple flowers, blue, and even orange ones grew among the leaves. But they didn't have petals like the flowers she knew. These flowers were made of tiny, sparkling gems. Light caught the bright crystals, causing glints all over the forest before her. The strings of diamonds and pearls she had received as a Christmas present from her parents would look dull compared to these exquisite jeweled flowers. But the flora inside the trees was only the beginning. The trees themselves had trunks of gold. At first, she assumed the wooden trunks had been painted with golden paint similar to that which she had used to trim the edges of the cup and saucer for Heidi. But after several steps and more careful examination, she realized it wasn't paint and it wasn't a trick of the light. These trees were actually made of pure, solid gold. By that point, the fact that the leaves themselves were not a plant, but simply opulent emeralds cut in leaf shapes was almost expected. Only the very vaguest, furthest corner of her mind registered that they arrived in fairy in the middle of the day, even though it had been the middle of the night when they left her house. Revan led her toward a path running next to a river. The liquid in the stream looked more like water than the emeralds on the trees looked like leaves. But the liquid still had a sparkling quality to it, unlike anything she had ever seen before. Azure blue gems appeared to tumble inside the water as it all rushed forward. Just as she caught sight of an incredible waterfall that seemed to be filled with sapphires and aquamarine gems, Revan turned around and shot a blast of magic from his fingertips. Instead of blue sparkly smoke, this magic came out nearly colorless, but with an iridescent sheen. The magic trailed backward until it formed a sort of wall directly over the path they had just passed. After several more steps, he shot out another blast of magic, this one white with the slightest hint of purple. The barrier would have blocked them from going back the way they had come, not that she had any intention of doing that. The only life she had was ahead. Once he created three more barriers, she finally turned to him with one eyebrow cocked upward. What are you doing? I'm not planning to go back or try to escape or anything. His head tilted to the side as a stream of sparkling turquoise magic erupted from his fingertips. He looked at his hand and then at the barrier he had just created behind them. Oh, that is not for you. As a soldier, magic ties me back to Fairfrost Court. If I am not careful, more trolls will come after me, or even worse, King Pavel. 
If the king finds me, I will have to return to Fairfrost. Nodding slowly, she dropped her gaze to the ground beneath her feet. Rich black soil formed the path. Tiny white, pearl-like pebbles dotted the soil, adding beauty to an already elegant landscape. They continued in silence, but eventually Clara found courage to ask her next question. So you really are a deserter, then? She couldn't very well judge him for it, especially since she had just abandoned her family and betrothed with absolutely no regrets. She did know that, in her world at least, deserters usually weren't considered honorable. He showed no signs of guilt. His chin tipped up high, and he even adopted a bit of swagger as he walked. In the other courts, Fay have freedom. In Fairfrost, we are controlled. We cannot open doors without permission. There is talk that our messages will soon be controlled too, although I have no idea how any Fay, even the King of Fairfrost, would be able to control the sprites. They have politics of their own. She'd have to ask him what sprites were later, but at the mention of them, her gaze drifted upward to the glowing green lights above them. In the sunlight, and with the magnificence of so many jewels and gold everywhere, they weren't especially noticeable, but they pulsed and twirled like living creatures. So it's not enough to just escape your court? You have to hide now, too, is that right? He let out a dark chuckle. Just because I left my court does not mean I have escaped it. But then a smile passed over his features, and he readjusted his blue knit scarf. I already have a way to escape. But it took a bargain with the Pixies to learn how to do it, and now I must help them before I can go back home to my v- His words cut off short. When she glanced toward him, he swallowed hard and suddenly turned away. No matter how she tried to catch his gaze after that, he stared only at the path ahead. After several steps, he threw a hand over his shoulder and created another barrier behind them. Her heart sank a little, although it shouldn't have. It was silly of her to care at all. Let me guess, you are engaged too, except you're eager to get back to your betrothed so the two of you can escape Fairfrost together. Drawing his eyebrows close together, he stared at her. He must have forgotten he was supposed to be avoiding her gaze. What is engaged? Now her eyebrows drew together. Engaged? To be married? It's the person you are betrothed to. A fiancé? Someone you commit to being married to at some point in the future. The confusion on his face grew with each of the new definitions. I do not know of any fae who has entered into any such agreement. A light seemed to spark in his eyes. Perhaps you mean a beloved? The person with whom you are in love? I do not have one of those, though. She had certainly never been in love with her betrothed, Fritz, but she had to admit, beloved sounded a lot nicer than betrothed. Who is it you are returning to, then? A friend? A family member? A mother or a cousin? Or perhaps a niece or nephew? His head shook with a spot of laughter in his eyes. You mortals complicate things so much more than necessary. We only use a few words to describe relations. Father, mother, son, daughter, sister, and brother. I cannot even fathom what a cousin might be. A brother, then. Her eyes opened wide as she pointed at him. That has to be it. When you started that sentence before, you said, I can go back home to my b- And then you stopped. It is a brother, isn't it? Instead of answering, the blood drained from his face. 
He stared at her carefully as his jaw clenched tight. After another moment, his gaze broke away, and he glanced back at the magical barriers behind them. The enchantments are ready. We need to get off the path and start to hide. He grabbed her hand, and then immediately dropped it, almost as if it had burned him. After releasing her hand, he marched away from the path and beckoned to her. Soon, they stepped across the meadow with grass made of strands of green pearls, clovers that looked like carved jade sprouted among the grass. Now that they moved away from the black soil, she expected the delicate pearls and jade to break under her feet. Instead, the jewels held up surprisingly well. They didn't even gather any of the mud from her boots. At least she had taken the time to fetch the boot she had thrown at the Troll King and put it back on. If the jewels could withstand the pressure of her boots, they probably would have hurt her if she walked on them with only stocking feet. Revan reached for her to guide her down a little hill, but pulled his hand away just before he touched her. He indicated their direction without physical contact. Lifting her skirts made it easier to watch her feet with each step. She glanced back at the enchantments before traveling far enough down the hill that she couldn't see them anymore. Why are we moving so far away from those enchantments? Aren't those supposed to protect you from being found? He shrugged. The first enchantment will be easy to find, no matter how carefully I create it. It will not keep me hidden, not really. And once they find the first enchantment, they will find the second, and then the third, and so on. He glanced back at her now, wearing that same scoundrel-like smile that had already caused her stomach to flip a few times. But once they start following the enchantments, they will assume I am somewhere down the path covered by the enchantments. She glanced down at the hill they had just descended. But you aren't on that path. Now her own lips twisted up to a smile. Clever. Gesturing ahead, he pointed to a thicket of trees that all had pink jeweled flowers among the emerald leaves. The golden trees even had an assortment of bushes scattering across the ground. Each bush looked heavy with mulberries, though if she had to guess, the berries were probably just crystals and not actual food. The pixies will reveal themselves once we reach that thicket. After another step, he whispered a single word under his breath. Hopefully. She had to increase her pace to keep up with him now. What will happen to those trolls by my house? He shrugged. They will wake up and return to fairy. If they do not wake up before day dawns, they will be turned to stone. But the trolls have an annoying habit of being difficult to kill. I am greatly impressed you managed to slay one of them. He kept his gaze straight ahead, and he even attempted to say the words nonchalantly, but it didn't matter. She'd already heard more than she could believe. He was impressed with her. The feeling of it oozed into her heart like a calming cup of tea. Maybe she hadn't known him before that day but gaining his approval was quickly becoming one of her favorite pastimes. Maybe if she thought hard, she could find another way to impress him. The lightness in her step turned to stone as she suddenly faltered. She reached an arm across her stomach. But if those trolls can open doors too, what if... She gulped. What if someone found them and followed them? What if another mortal entered fairy with them, just like I did with you? Revan just laughed. Why would anyone leave their home for a more dangerous place? Do you know of any mortal who would? Unfortunately, she did. Fritz would leave the mortal realm just as eagerly as she did. He hated his family too, 
except he'd also be angry that she tried to leave him. Even if he had no desire for her, he'd still be livid that she chose to escape their wedding. And with their wedding in the morning, he and all his family members had spent the night at her house. The fight with the trolls wasn't quiet either. Even though it was a long shot, she knew in her heart if anyone had any chance at all of using the trolls to get to Fairy, it was Fritz. By the time she realized Revan was staring at her, it was already too late to hide the fear in her face. The anxiety she felt seemed to fill the space between them until it painted his features too. He stared for an extra long moment, but then he finally waved his hand through the air. The trolls will awake and leave the mortal realm before any other mortals find them. And if any mortals do find them, the trolls will kill them before making a bargain. She tried to let those words calm her, but her insides had other ideas on the matter. It didn't help that when they stepped into the thicket of trees, absolutely nothing happened. Revan let out a heavy sigh and spoke under his breath. This might be more difficult than I thought. Truer words couldn't have been spoken. In the very next second, Clara stepped forward and her foot caught on a rope. With a whoosh, both she and Revan were caught up in a net that now hung high above the ground. Even worse, the rope appeared to be made of steel. Chapter 7 In all her life, Clara had never been close enough to a man to feel his breath on her cheeks. It didn't matter that she was suspended in the air by a steel net. All she could think about was how the front of Revan's thighs nestled right behind the back of hers, almost like she was sitting on his lap while also mostly standing. Her body twisted at the waist, although his did not. It left her shoulder pressed into the middle of his chest. When she glanced up, his mouth was mere inches away, sending heat across her cheeks every time he breathed out. This was no time at all to be distracted by the subtle glints of blue in his stormy gray eyes. But how could she think of anything, anything, when so much of his body was pressed up against hers? Did he feel it too? This inexorable energy that buzzed in and around and through them? Judging by the scowl on his face, he did not. Blasted pixies and their blasted traps. He wrapped a fist around part of the net and shook it hard. Nothing happened. With his nose still wrinkled, he glanced down at her. Right then, everything changed. He could feel the energy now, she could tell. Before, frustration had been etched across his features, but as soon as he made eye contact with her, his entire body reacted. His muscles went just a little tighter, and then he almost melted against her. His breath caught at the exact moment she bit her bottom lip. And then... He did something she had dreamed about, but never expected to experience for herself. He leaned in. Her heart raced at the subtle movement. Lightning flashed through all her veins. The moment ended quickly. Revan shook his head, probably realizing what he was about to do. He jerked his head away and gripped the net again. He yanked on it like he intended to pull it down from the tree where it hung. Of course, his effort led to no change at all. Clara's heart still raced, leaving her skin hot and itchy. She had always known men liked to kiss and touch and do all sorts of things to women. Ever since she got engaged to Fritz, things like that disgusted her. But now a sort of wonder filled her at the thought. Maybe women could like kissing too. In fact, with the right man involved, maybe women could like it just as much as men did. 
The heat must have been getting to Revan, too. He shook the net harder, which continued to do absolutely nothing. It caused him to bare his teeth and hiss at the thicket of golden trees around them. Plumia! He only waited a beat before shouting again. Plumia, you better get us down from here! When his shouts were met with silence, he let out a grunt. Blasted pixies. Magic shot from his fingertips next. The sparkly blue smoke twisted around the top of the net where it was tied to a golden branch covered in brilliant emerald leaves. Pink diamond flowers grew in a cluster just above the spot where the net was secured. It was almost like the pretty flowers were hiding something. Her eyes squinted, but with the barrage of magic hitting the spot repeatedly, Clara couldn't make out anything useful. Maybe her time would be better spent trying to move into a less compromising position. Edging her body to one side, she hoped to come shoulder to shoulder with Revan. The net resisted all her attempts. After a full minute of squirming, she had merely managed to get her entire back against Revan's front. She could still feel his legs and chest pressed up against her. This was not better. Heat flushed over her neck. Revan shot magic from his fingertips even faster and wilder. Glints of gold started falling from the sky. At first, Clara assumed it was a residual effect from Revan's magic, but it soon became clear this was something else entirely. Fluffy snowflakes drifted down from the sky, landing like pillows on the black soil below. But these weren't anything like the snowflakes in the mortal realm. These snowflakes were gold. Gold, just like the trees. For one glorious moment, she forgot all about the legs and chest and breath on her cheeks, and became completely entranced by the golden snowflakes. Some were a brighter yellow gold, and others were a deeper, almost bronze gold. They looked as much like snow as they did like jewelry. What would happen when they melted? Sticking one hand out through the net, she caught a golden snowflake on the back of her hand. It chilled her skin immediately, but felt more cool than frozen. Its edges started melting as soon as it touched her. By the time she brought her hand closer to her face, only half the snowflake remained. After touching it with one finger from her other hand, it melted away completely, but it didn't leave behind plain water. She rubbed the small drop of liquid over the back of her hand, which smeared a golden sheen across her skin. Revan stopped throwing magic long enough to glance down at her. When he saw the golden sheen on her skin, his gaze immediately jerked toward the falling golden snow. Upon seeing them, he grunted, Seriously, Plumia? Are you watching us right now? His question received no answer. Now he stuck one fist outside the net and shook it. Do you think this is funny? When no answer came, Clara decided to ask a question of her own. Who's Plumia? She is the sugar pixie who makes golden snowflakes. With both hands, he grabbed the net and shook it hard. Let us out of here! Since he had stopped shooting magic, she was finally able to get a good look at the spot where the net was tied to the tree above. So, the pink diamond flowers were hiding something. Energy crackled at the ends of Revan's fingertips as he aimed them toward the tree branch yet again. Before any magic blasted outward, Clara twisted her body to look him in the eye. Maybe we need to get out of here without using magic. He looked at her like she had turned into a troll. No, not just a troll. A troll who had grown three heads. Using one hand to gesture upward, she explained, The net isn't tied to the tree branch like I first thought. 
The ends of the net are looped around that golden rod up there. You can see that it's separate from the branch. It's held in place by those pink flowers. If we can wriggle the rod free, it should release the net and us. He started nodding even before she finished speaking. The muscles in his body flexed as he reached upward. His fingers stretched higher and higher, but his hand remained at least a foot too far away to reach the rod. I cannot reach it. His voice stretched over the words as he continued to extend his arms upward. She knew what had to come next. It was the only way, but it certainly wouldn't help with their proximity issue. Maybe he could handle being so close without a problem, but could she? The longer he stretched, the more apparent it became that they had no other choice. Proximity or not, she'd have to do what she had to do. She sucked in a little breath and finally spoke. If you lift me, I could probably reach the rod and wriggle it out myself. He didn't wait a single second before wrapping one arm around the back of her thighs. But as soon as his other hand met her stomach to help balance her, his breath hitched. For one long moment, he held completely still. His fingers twitched slightly, as if trying to decide if they wanted to pull away or get even closer. Just a little higher, and I'll be able to reach it. Hopefully now that he was in his own trance, he wouldn't notice just how shaky her words were as she spoke. And luckily, her words did the trick. With his arms still around her, still twitching slightly, he lifted her until she was high enough. Raising both hands above her head, she reached for the rod holding the net in place. The golden object had a cool touch and felt as smooth as polished marble. When she started wriggling the rod out, she realized this gold was just as soft as the gold in the mortal realm. Small gouges and scratches appeared on the rod wherever she managed to pull it free. It took longer than she expected to even get the thing moving. To Revan's credit, his arms didn't shake at all under her weight. If they had, she might have given up and tried to think of a different way to escape but since he showed no signs of tiring, she kept at it. After several hard tugs, the first few loops of the net came free. Revan had to readjust then, to keep his feet on the part of the net that hadn't been freed so that he'd be tall enough to keep holding her up. She only needed to free a few more loops, and they'd tumble right out of the net. In another moment, she had it. The rod slipped from her grasp as the freed loops of the net allowed them to drop free. Revan held her around the waist as they fell. It had worked. But just before they touched the black soil, their bodies stopped. They hung suspended once again, but no net had captured them. This time, magic shimmered around them, holding them off the ground. But whose magic? At first, she suspected Revan, but the look on his face clearly proved that theory wrong. It didn't help that fear had crept into his eyes. Was it the mysterious Plumia who had caught them? Or was it someone, or something, more sinister? Chapter 8 After hanging suspended in the air with shimmering magic for only a handful of seconds, Clara dropped to the ground with a plunk. Her elbow ached where it landed right on a pearlescent white pebble. At least the black soil brushed away easily when she got to her feet. Not that it helped much, considering her silk gown was still wet and covered in mud after the fight with the trolls. The golden snowflakes fell faster from the sky, landing on her bare arms and face. They left behind a shimmery golden sheen on her skin, but with so many of them falling on her now, they also left behind a substantial chill. 
Revan didn't bother brushing any of the black soil from his brocade jacket or leather boots. He just stood tall and folded both arms over his chest. We escaped from your stupid trap, Plumia. You must show yourself now. At first, nothing happened, and Clara started to wonder if this Plumia actually did exist. But then she heard a noise like tiny twinkling wind chimes somewhere near the golden tree that still held the net. The sound started out so soft, Clara had to strain to hear it. After only a few seconds, it grew slightly louder, and then a small creature wearing lavender appeared from just behind the tree trunk. Once visible, the little bean slowly flew toward them. The creature looked like a person, except she was tiny. She was ten inches tall at the most. The long lavender dress she wore sparkled like it had been formed from tiny amethysts. Her curled blonde hair flowed beautifully behind her. She wore a small crown of purple flowers that were probably more jewel than plant. Most miraculous of all, she had four golden wings growing from her back. As she flew, one of her hands waved toward Clara, showering her with even more golden snowflakes than before. Revan rolled his eyes and sighed heavily. You can stop that. This mortal is with me. She has agreed to help you in your plight. At the sound of those words, the pixie stopped mid-flight and jerked her head toward Revan. Her voice came out as sweet as a sugar plum. She is with you? Yes. Now leave her be. I said she agreed to help, did I not? Still hovering mid-air, Plumia narrowed her eyes. And how is a simple mortal supposed to be of any help at all to us? Now Revan leaned back. He lifted a corner of his mouth like he had a great secret to share. The look did everything he intended because Plumia flew a little closer, waiting for an explanation. By the time he finally spoke, even Clara was hanging on his words. This mere mortal killed a troll. Not just any troll, either. She killed Grokaskin. Judging by the gasp that erupted from the pixie, this had apparently been even more of an accomplishment than Clara had first realized. Revan nodded with that same arrogant smile. We have always believed the trolls were impervious to weapons of every kind, but apparently they have a soft spot just under their armpits. This mortal knocked Grokaskin off his feet and then got him to land on his own axe, with the axe slicing him just under the armpit. The narrowed eyes of the pixie immediately melted away into a charming smile that she directed right at Clara. Plumia continued to fly forward, and while she did, she stopped the falling golden snowflakes with a wave of her hand. By the time she reached Clara, the pixie grabbed hold of her silk skirt and shook her head at it disapprovingly. Is this the sort of fabric mortals must wear in the mortal realm? This is ghastly. Heat climbed into Clara's cheeks as she screwed her mouth into a knot. Well, it looked better at the beginning of the evening, before I got into a fight with a troll. Her finger twisted through a loose strand of dark hair that hung on her shoulder. My hair looked better, too. Not to worry. Plumia's face lit up with an even brighter smile. We can fix that. She clapped her hands, and suddenly a dozen pixies appeared from behind the other tree trunks in the thicket. Some wore gowns made of jewels, some wore tunics and pants made of shimmering silky velvet. Some were male, some were female. Some had dark hair and skin, some had light hair and skin. Every color of the rainbow made up their clothing. Lavender, teal, peach, navy, magenta, and cherry. Some of them even wore colors Clara had never seen before. 
As the pixies surrounded her, Revan threw her a pointed glance. Do not be so taken with these creatures. They are twice the size of sprites and at least four times as mischievous. Sometimes they lead travelers to their deaths just because they think it is funny. Plumia let out a tisk as she glared at Revan. Not just because it is funny. Their bodies fertilize the land, which brings us a more delicious harvest. And we only ever lead away the bad travelers. Revan shook his head and turned away. Your definition of bad is purely subjective. Do not act as though you are bringing justice by leading people astray. By then, Plumia had stopped listening to Revan entirely. She pointed at three of the pixies, two females and one male, who wore marigold, rose, and garnet-jeweled clothing. Begin with the palo dance. The moment she finished speaking, a song twinkled into the thicket. Clara couldn't see any instrument that created the music. None of the pixies seemed to be creating it either. The sounds simply filled the thicket, as if the air itself created it. A sweeping melody of trumpets and flutes accompanied by strings filled the space. As it did, the three pixies flew around Clara's head. They unpinned and unbraided until her hair fell down her back. They then produced combs and some sort of oil that made her dark hair shine. About halfway through, beautiful clacking instruments joined the trumpets with a sound that raised Clara's spirits. Soon, the pixies braided and tucked until her dark hair fell straight and glossy down to her waist. Decorative braids brought the hair away from her face in a half-up, half-down style she had never seen anyone in her small town wear. The moment the pixies finished their work, Plumia clapped her hands twice and announced, Now for the macabre dance! While the three pixies who had just done her hair joined the others, three more emerged from the crowd. A new song started, too. This one had a slow, mysterious, almost haunting melody with clarinets and strings. A few tambourines joined in as the pixies worked. The pixies produced cosmetics and immediately began applying them to Clara's face and skin. She couldn't see her face, but she did see how they smoothed the golden sheen from the snowflakes over her arms until it made her skin shine as bright as the gold and jeweled trees around her. Once finished, Plumia clapped three times and said, Let the platea dance begin. From the music alone, Clara could already tell this dance would be her favorite. It exuded excitement and celebration. While the three new pixies worked, they also jumped and spun in the air with their wings carrying them. The pixies started near the ground, doing some sort of magic at the hem of her skirt. Little by little, the music swelled faster and livelier, and the pixies flew higher and higher. As they worked, her stained silk dress and heavy petticoats disappeared, only to be replaced with a thick, velvety fabric that felt as smooth as silk and as light as feathers. The pink fabric had no petticoats underneath it, but it was gathered at the waist to provide for an ample skirt that flowed out all around her. When the pixies reached her torso, the music had accelerated to a lively tempo that brought a smile to her face. Strands of white pearls formed decorative sleeves over her bare arms. She would have given anything to admire the dress, but Plumia immediately clapped her hands four times. Chubau dance, make it lovely. The music started with a bouncing tempo that was joined by a happy run done by some flutes. Three new pixies flew forward and started bouncing up and down as they created a headpiece that draped from the center top of her head and down over her braids. Strands of silver chains and pearls twinkled in the light of the thicket as the pieces came together before lightly landing on her head. 
As they worked, the flutes continued with their almost bird-like song. The chorus ended by speeding up into a deeper and faster melody until it let out a long strain. The pixies started to fly back to the others, but before Plumia could clap her hands again, Revan groaned. Must you pixies always be so dramatic? Are you done yet? Clara turned to him, a little more anxious than she probably needed to be. Are you worried about how much time this is taking? Revan's entire face twisted into complete confusion. He mouthed the word time and looked to one side, then another, as if that might give him the answer. But the longer he stood there, the deeper his confusion grew. Plumia flew closer. There is no time in fairy, my dear. Now she gave a little wink. Just one dance more. The Calcia's dance. A dancing melody featuring wooden flutes soon filled the thicket. Strings joined in the background, providing soft accompaniment. This time, Plumia joined two other pixies as they flew toward Clara. The three of them got to work on Clara's shoes. Just like her dress had transformed, the pixies changed her plain brown boots to exquisite golden slippers with pink jeweled flowers on the top. The fabric of the shoes felt fluid and smooth, but somehow also sturdy and strong. She'd never know how, but if she walked into a pile of snow, she knew those slippers would stay dry. When the last dance finished, Clara couldn't help dancing herself. She spun in a circle, watching the folds of her velvety pink dress billow out around her. The strands of pearls forming her sleeves bounced against her skin with a pleasant tinkling sound. Her luxurious hair fluttered and looked glossier than she had ever seen it in her life. Though she still couldn't see her face or the cosmetics applied there, she knew in her gut that she had never looked more beautiful. After a few spins, she twisted herself back and caught Revan's eye. How do I look? she asked as she batted her eyelashes. To her pure delight, he blinked back at her, completely speechless. The look in his eye revealed that he liked what he saw. His jaw even dropped a little. She couldn't help chuckling in response. Now she slid her hands over her skirt, as if smoothing wrinkles, but a magical fabric like that probably never produced any sort of wrinkles. After twirling around a few more times, she turned to Plumia. Clara's cheeks strained from how wide she smiled. This is incredible. I've never been treated so well in all my life. Thank- No! Revan jumped forward, suddenly grabbing Clara's wrist and pulling her closer to himself. Do not say that. She glanced up at his face, which had contorted into an expression of anger, or possibly even fear. Clearly, he didn't understand her intention. Trying to shake herself out of his grip, she clarified, I just wanted to tell them that do not say it. He cut her off even faster this time, and then swallowed hard. If you say those words, you will be indebted to them. Do not apologize either. Never apologize in fairy. Her eyes narrowed as she stared at his hardened glare. She realized now that he did seem to understand what she was trying to say. Her mind turned back to the party where they had first met. He cracked a few macadamias for her, and she had said, thank you. He immediately replied with a sentence that hadn't made sense then. You should not say those words to me. It had seemed strange then, but this was now the third time he had reprimanded her for offering thanks. At least this time he had explained. If she did give thanks, that would make her indebted to the pixies. It didn't make any sense, but Revan had been adamant that fairy was dangerous. Maybe it was better to trust him than to take a chance. He must have seen the moment his words sank in, 
His shoulders relaxed, and he let out a slow breath. These magical, beautiful pixies seemed glorious, but perhaps they were not as innocent as they acted. After another long breath, Revan released her wrist. Trust me, you want to hear why they need your help before you become indebted to them in any way. The words landed like a weight on her chest, making even the golden sheen on her arms a little less shimmery. He turned now to Plumia. When he spoke, his words were gruff. You need to tell her the truth. Plumia pouted and glanced away. Revan just took a step closer, his face even darker than before. All of it. I hope you enjoyed listening to part two of Nutcracker of Crystal Fall by K.L. Moody, narrated by Corinne Norton. If you've enjoyed the story so far, be sure to stick around for the next three episodes to find out how Clara and Revan fare in Crystal Fall. If you want to read more by Kay, go to klmoody.com to find more of her books. If you're new to her Fay books, Kay recommends starting with Alora and Brannock's story in The Fay of Bitterthorn. It's the original and completed Fay series that led to the spin-off series that this Nutcracker story is connected to. Also, for November and December, we are running a holiday giveaway, which includes a signed hardcover copy of Flame and Crystal Thorns, as well as an art print and bookmark. So if you want a chance to win, go to findingfantasyreads.com giveaway to enter. The giveaway closes on December 15th. I always enjoy hearing from you guys, whether by email or in reviews. I have loved doing this podcast, and I love seeing all of you get excited about it, too. I especially want to thank CJ Nasal for their kind review. They said, Finding Fantasy Reads offers a lovely way to find new fantasy tales by a variety of authors. I enjoyed both Corinne and Pater's narration styles and look forward to listening to more. Hearing things like that makes me excited to keep making more episodes. So keep the reviews coming. If you missed any of the sites I mentioned, I will have those links in the show notes. Thank you all for listening and happy reading.